Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. This is On the Road segment of the Power of Investing in People podcast with Shay Sparks. For this episode, we are sitting in my car in a parking lot by the beach of Vero Beach, Florida, with my good friend, Wayne Mulder. He shares how he went from owning a landscape business to going into law enforcement and now being a podcaster. We discuss how we are all in the people business, how fear might show up, and how professional development is also personal development. For those of you who don't know, Wayne Mulder is currently a law enforcement officer and trainer and the host of the On the Blue Line podcast. Working in a life and death career, he has offered Wayne a unique perspective when it comes to living and not simply being alive. He is an advocate for the concept of total wellness, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and and not a compartmentalized approach to well-being. He has developed his podcast around that mission to provide positive insight, guidance, and entertainment from those who are fellow sojourners on the amazing path that we call life. You can find out more about Wayne on his website at onthebluline.com. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International. And today I am on the road. This is the on the road segment. When We are in Vero Beach, I believe. Vero Beach. You set this up, so I'm hoping that's where I ended up. <laughs> Vero Beach, Florida, with my good friend, who is just an amazing inspiration. And so I just am so honored to have you. Thank you, Shay. In the parking lot, in a car. Sometimes it's at a restaurant, but this time it's at the parking lot of a restaurant. So Yes, which I will say, I am actually quite impressed. This is what I enjoy about podcasting in general, because... It's so new and fresh and different, and you never know what you're going to experience. Exactly, exactly. Let me just tell your name. So the amazing, incredible, inspirational Wayne Mulder. You are too kind, but thank you. So please, I know that I don't have your bio in front of me, so please tell people who you are. Well, I think you did a pretty good job with all the niceties, but I appreciate (laughs) that. No, um, so I'm pretty much a landscaper turned cop. Okay. And uh, so I spent most of my life, I'm from the rural Midwest, and I spent most of my life putting plants in the ground, tried to put them uh, in greenside up. I did that for a while and came to beautiful, sunny Florida, and from there transitioned in my 30s into law enforcement. And that has been probably one of the greatest things that I've been able to do. And it's really changed who I was as a person. And then the irony of that is coming full circle into then doing podcasting and speaking and some of the things that I'm able to do now which is, of course, how I had the opportunity to meet you. 
So you do have a podcast. So what is the name of your podcast? It is On the Blue Line. Yes. So the, the Blue Line podcast. And uh, yeah, with March of 2020. During PodFest, before the whole world exploded. Well, we were talking offline that it was the moment the entire world fell apart, if you'll recall. Right. Yeah, we came out on Sunday, and there was no toilet paper in the world. It was like, wait, what happened? The the world changed the minute we all met. So There you go. I don't know what that means exactly, but I think it's something (laughs) powerful. Well, you know, sparks of fire, fired up, who knows, right? There there is a bigger meaning there, I Mm. believe. So... We just dived in, but I always start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? It's everything. I I love that statement because I really think that is key, no matter what you're doing. You know, whether you're going back and you're talking landscaping or you're talking, you know, investing in people is really like any other type of investment, right? It's that concept, that idea, these seeds, these sparks, as you like to say, that you put out there, you know, when you meet with people, when you do things and, you know, some people would say karma, some people would say, you know, there's different terminologies that you'd hear, but just investing in people because it's all about people. It's all about these relationships. And I can say over and over again in my life that the relationships have been the key. Yes. And any time that I lose that focus, whatever it is, whether it's a project or a business or whatever that I'm doing, it tends to not work out the way it should because I'm losing the true focus, which is others. And that's where that others-minded focus is really what I think of when you think about investing in other people. Well, don't you think, too, as a business owner, when you were with the landscaping, that when you get so focused on the profit that you lose sight of the purpose of the people, because we're all in the people business, whether you're planting or you're cutting hair or you're bartending. You're absolutely correct. And I say this over and over again, in landscaping, you're right. I mean, whether we're talking selling projects or working with the guys on a job, or and we did large scale commercial projects towards the end there. And, you know, so you may have 50 employees, you know, when you get into some of these large scale commercial jobs. And, you know, that's all about people and working with people. However, in law enforcement, it's no different. Right. And in law enforcement, it really is a people business. And I say this over and over again. In fact, we recently had a new group of young people come in. And that's exactly what I was telling them is, you know, no matter what portion of the job you're talking about, whether it's the general public, whether it's the guy that did something they shouldn't have, we're in the people business. Right. And it's all about how you approach it. In fact, I believe it was Zig Ziglar that said you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other mm-hmm. people get what they want. And I've had that quote on most of the desks that I've had, whether it was in landscaping or in law enforcement, because it really brings that focus back to, like you said, if you're only concerned about the bottom line, you're going to miss the opportunities and what really matters in the end, which is those relationships and what we can do for others in those moments. You know, that quote you said just resonates with me because that's really, I think, what started my whole, like, let's connect with people, let's hear their story. Because I think if you help pe- enough people get what they want, you eventually get what you want. Amen. Right? I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I couldn't say anything better myself. Yeah, and I think it was uh, Zig Ziglar who also said, which goes along with the same thing, you help a million people, you'll make a, eventually make a million dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So as law enforcement, what has been one of your defining moments, if you will, that has really helped you see that it's not about the badge, it's not about the law, it is about that person that you might be interacting with, whether you're pulling them over, you're interacting, or you're teaching a safety class, because I know you're also a trainer as well. Yes, I am. I have the fortunate ability or the fortunate opportunity to actually get to teach at the Law Enforcement Academy and teach those who are coming into the job, which is just a wonderful opportunity to kind of give back. 
if you would. When you talk about one defining moment, that's difficult for me to think of a single defining moment. But I will say this. It was, so I was in my early 30s when I came into this career. And what I found... Which was just a few years ago. Which was just a few (laughs) years ago. It could have been less than like two years ago, right? Right. We'll go about 10 is (laughs) realistically what it was. So about 10 years ago, I came into this career. and But in my early 30s, I had the benefit of already having a little bit of life experience, Mm -hmm. having run a landscape company, having Mm -hmm. lost a landscape company. So I'd been through some wins. I'd been through some losses. And I really kind of got to see little things that helped help me see this broader picture of what you're talking about. So for instance, you know, when you're talking a small business, you're talking making payroll. Yeah. You're, you get to the point where it's like, okay, well, if I, if this check doesn't come in on Friday, these people don't get paid Mm -hmm. and then their families suffer and they suffer. And that's just one illustration. But in the small business world, you really start to understand how interconnected everything is to people, Mm -hmm. especially if you want to do well. And so the same then coming into law enforcement, I had the benefit of kind of having that But then it changed me in a good way where I started to see the opportunities that we had to kind of work with people in their worst moments. Mm. And that is really when I stepping into, and there's a lot of reasons that we could go into, but uh, it really became more of a calling for me. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I started seeing that, okay, this is an opportunity. And when I started going to some of the very first scenes and right out the gate, so in law enforcement for your listeners, those who don't know, when you first come into law enforcement, obviously nobody gives you a badge and a gun and goes throws you on the street. Right. For good reason. Oh, you think that, that's a good that. thing, yes, right? Exactly. I think that's a good precedent. So you typically have to go through, depending on what state you're in and where you work, you have to go through some sort of law enforcement. And then after that, there's going to be some sort of in-service training, some sort of training at whatever agency you're going to. If they happen to be running the academy, then that may all be merged together. But here in the location that I'm at, it's not. So you go through the academy, you can get hired on, and then you go through a uh, training, an in-service type training, usually anywhere from four to eight weeks, depending on what agency you go. And then from there, you go through what's called an FTO process or a field training process. So you have a field training officer, someone that's with you. Mm-hmm. And that can be a period of like 12 weeks. And again, it varies by agency. So from right out the gate during that period of time, some of the calls that we've go to a lot of times as a trainee working with a field training officer, you're going to go to some of those crazier calls, the more intense emotional things that are going on and the losses that people are suffering because they want to give you as much exposure to those type of cases and to the kind of things that can happen in this career while you have someone with you who can help you. And it was just in those very first few weeks of this career that I really began to see the calling element of it. Mm -hmm. I really began to see the opportunity to, you know, this is a human business. And these are people in their moment of, you know, you see these things on TV and you see them driving fast and everyone likes, you know, fast cars and the lights flashing and all that. But at the end of the day, you have somebody going through a very strong emotional moment. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you can interject into that. Sometimes it's just a smile. Sometimes it's a pat on the back. Sometimes it's hugging a grieving father. Sometimes it's, it can be all sorts of different things, but I look at this job as the opportunity to bring something, maybe hope, in that moment. You know, you said something so interesting. I I find it so profound that you started to be in law enforcement, and then you found your calling in it. So 
Take us back to what motivated you to start into law enforcement. Absolutely. No, that's a really good question. I'm glad you caught that because the funny thing is I swore when I was leaving landscaping that what I wasn't going to be was a cop. Of course. So, yeah, there was no way I was going to go into law enforcement. I mean, who does that? Right. But it kind of interested me a little bit. So the reason it did and how I got my start. So my brother, Mm -hmm. um, he went into law enforcement in a different state north of here. So he... Works for DOC up there, so the Department of Corrections. He's a uh, guard, but he also is, you know, fully sworn and so forth. So he is in law. And he was doing that up there, and I was like, you know, that seems like a good career, pretty solid career. And you got to remember, landscaping in the time, especially at that time, especially in Florida, we had just gone through the housing crisis. Mm. So what I was observing was guys that ran large landscape companies and were doing very well, had lost everything. And we're now out with a handful of guys putting plants in the ground themselves, and they were in their 60s, 70s. And I don't really see this as a career I want to be in if we have another housing crisis and right. 20, 30 years from now, I'm wanting to retire, and instead it's me and three other guys in an F-150 putting plants in the ground. <laughs> I, I just didn't see this as the direction I wanted to go. So I knew my brother was in law enforcement. I knew I, I kind of liked the security of that thought, but I really just didn't want to be a, And I didn't know why, but... Obviously, it was my naivete as to what it was. Mm. So what I did is I started looking at FWC because at the time I was residing in Florida, as I am now. And so I was looking at FWC, which is our Fish and Wildlife Commission. I was working outside already. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy rural Florida. And so it was seemed like a natural stepping stone mm-hmm. for me to get into the fish and wildlife. It would allow me to be in either the woods or the water. And it just seemed to make sense. Well, at the time, the state was suffering the same economic issues that the rest of the state was, but the state government was as well as the state itself. So because of that loss, it was almost a full two, two and a half year hiring process. So I started going through the hiring process, but because it was taking so long, and of course I had a family and I needed a, and a paycheck is always nice when you have a family. I decided to put myself through the law enforcement academy because in order to go to FWC, they were going to have to do that anyway, put me through the law enforcement academy. And it was through that process and going through the local law enforcement academy that I began to meet these other guys. And I started understanding more about the actual career itself. Mm. And I started hearing some really things that resonated with me, such as helping people, such as the ability to write reports and the boring parts of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me because it's like, well, I like to write. I like Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. I like to talk to people. I like to hear their stories. I like to help people. I like to... And that's when it really grew on me. And then a short time later, I ended up applying to local law enforcement. And the rest is, as they say, history. You know, I think what's so just fascinating about your story is sometimes I think that's just how life works, right? Like you're on a path and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then you start to notice when we take the eye, our eyes off the goal and start to see the opportunities on the sidelines, so to speak, of, oh, what's over here? And then you kind of walk through it with curious exploration of, oh, I might like that. And then it's like, boom, that's your calling. So I just think it's so interesting, especially for anyone, really, but especially for our listeners who are small business owners and veterans and, and military who are like, well, what do I do next? And I think for me, it's really about just taking any action because then the opportunity shows up. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and as I look back through my life, whether it was starting my landscape company, because that was a leap of faith, too. That was a situation of loading airplanes at night and putting plants in the ground during the day. 
and then fast forward it through law enforcement. And then now with even starting this podcast, I know we spoke offline a little bit about this, but I couldn't agree with you more that sometimes it's about taking action. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get, as they say. Exactly. And I have a lot of faith that that is exactly what happens. Well, I just found in my own story, but also in the people that I've interviewed before, it's like as when you are sitting and just thinking about it and oh, and really analyzing it too much, that's when the fear starts to creep in. That's when you like are doing nothing, even though you might be thinking about it and thinking you're planning and strategizing like you come up with all these cute words, right? Yes. But it's really in the action when you just do something that I think the opportunities start to like show up out of nowhere where you're like, oh, wow, I would never have thought going from wildlife to now I'm a police officer. Like just such a huge, it might not seem like a huge leap, but for someone who's listening from the outside, it's like, that's a huge leap. Right. So I love that how your story just kind of keeps going. And then you're like, oh, but wait, there's more. I want to do a podcast. So I love the how you started. And what is your podcast about? Yeah, And let me just really first comment on that, though, because you're absolutely right. And my default personality is paralysis by analysis. Mm -hmm. That is my default to what I want to do. So it's been kind of a blessing to step into that. So my podcast is all about helping law enforcement officers. So empowering law enforcement officers in their everyday life is the bottom line goal. And it's a broader scope than that, of course. It's really helping people just kind of like this. But it's also speaking to, here's what I saw, right? When I started my podcast, I'm a big fan of other podcasts out there in kind of the self-help genre, such as like an Ed Milad or some of these really large podcasts. That's what I was listening to. That's what I really enjoyed. And as a business owner, they really resonated with me as well. So I've always enjoyed those type of uh, podcasts. Well, I started realizing a couple things as I was listening to them. One was, you know, you would hear them talk about, say, their morning routine. Mm. And I would be thinking, that sounds great, but have you ever worked 12-hour shifts and your morning <laughs> right. starts at noon? noon. And yeah. yeah, and I've got to be there, you know, for a read-off at um, 1700, and then I'm not going to get off till 0500. And oh, by the way, this incident happened, so now you're not really leaving until 8, eight mm. o'clock, and we got to relieve night. And all these things. And I started thinking, well... You know, law enforcement in general and a lot of similar careers, we don't fit that everyday nine to five mold. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to bring to them was kind of more of a self-help type message, Mm -hmm. but brought to them from the perspective of someone who's actually been there, who's been on these scenes to, hey, guys, we're not going home till nine o'clock this morning or, hey, this hurricane's coming. So now you're not going to see your family Mm -hmm. when everyone else is trying to escape the state. Right. Your family might be escaping the state, but you are not going with them Mm. because you are a first responder and you're staying here to be ready. So I just kind of wanted to approach it from a different subject and a different perspective. And that's kind of where the podcast idea came from. Mm, I love that. You know, it's interesting because I think the that's why most people get into podcasting is because they really feel the need to share a story. Right. And I think you have interviewed so many amazing, interesting, inspiring people just like yourself who have a story to tell because they have gone through something. They have gone through an obstacle and they have seen that, you know, they didn't just get stuck. They actually found a way to fill themselves up, invest in themselves, and it just naturally overflows, which is what my whole podcast is about. And so for me, I kind of wanted to do the same thing. Like I didn't want to talk about when you see social media, the people with all the fancy cars and the stacks of, you know, hundred dollar bills and all that, like, Oh yeah, all the successful people. That's great. But let's talk about the muck and the mire that you had to go through in order to get there. And there wasn't a whole lot of people talking about that. Right. And so I just was like, okay, what else can I 
who else can I talk to? And I was started and I love how yours is now kind of evolving. Like we, like you said, we talked about it offline into something more than just law enforcement. For me, I had started with just small business owners, like people that I knew that were friends of mine who had experienced a loss of some sort, or they were going through PTSD recovery, or they were, you know, who knows what they were. I can't even remember now. There's so many, been so many guests now that they had some sort of struggle. And then all of a sudden they, they turn that milestone where it's like, wait, okay, what can I do to invest in myself? What can I do to help me in this moment? And then it's a byproduct, right? The investing in people, it becomes a byproduct or a result of because they took time to invest in themselves. And I love that you're, all right, I guess I should say I, what I'm going to say, because you said it offline, that you are shifting it. Because I think for me, I now am veterans and military, where I was just focused on small business owners, and I and you are not just um, law enforcement, right? You're going into right. a whole other genre or adding a whole other genre. Yes, that, that's absolutely true. And that, that's been something that's kind of resonated with me. And it's funny how, like you said, these things kind of evolve. They, that's how it grows. It's almost like it's some, the way the universe wants it. Yeah. Like you started out with this initial plan. This is what I was going to do. And of course, the best laid plans and all. So you set out with, this is my mission. This is what I'm going to do. And then it's like, well, that's good. That's going to get you the initial experience, get you on the path. But then you're going to start to think broader. Then you're going to start to go down this road. And that's kind of what's shifting for me now. The other thing is who the message resonates with. Because as you started that, and I, I loved it, it was very eloquent, exactly what my heart is for this, is it's all about story, right? Mm-hmm. I usually say it as a journey. It's yes. all about the journey that yes. we're on. And I love everyone's individual story. And whether they're in law enforcement, whether they were in the military, whether they're the shop owner, whether mm-hmm. they came here from another country, or, you know, no matter what that is, everyone has a life experience yeah. and something that they, it becomes the lens. Mm-hmm through which they see the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love to hear that story and I love to get that story out to other people. So that will always be core to whatever I'm doing mm-hmm. in the podcasting, writing, speaking. It will always be that and then this whole concept which again you also touched on was this idea of what I call total health. Um because it started and the reason that became a big thing is I started with always talking about mental health because mm-hmm. mental health there there was a and we don't necessarily need to go down this road but there was something that had happened that really spurred the podcast and so forth and it was in that mental health the concerns that I had for law enforcement officers and mental health but I know in my own journey and in my own life I realized that in some ways I still needed to take care of myself yeah and to take control mm-hmm. so I I didn't like where I didn't like the person I saw in the mirror Sure. So I had to change things spiritually, mentally, physically. There were things that needed to happen. And in going through that, it awakened me and awakened me to this concept of, well, it's really about total health. Because if you're only concentrating on the mental, the physical, the spiritual, any one element there, you're not building that overall resiliency that we all need. You became the change you wanted to see. Seems cliche, (laughs) but I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well... You do amazing work. So that's exactly what you did. And that's why I think we love what we do in podcasting, right? It's like getting to the, the, the journey that it's not about the destination for people. Like, let that goal go. Like, that's great to have that goal, but it's not about the goal. It's about who you become on the way to the goal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more. So... Because I am a certified fearless living coach, I love to talk. I love to hear what people where fear has shown up in their life. 
So tell me, what has been your most fearful moment, if you don't mind sharing that with us? That's interesting. So, well, let me answer a question with a question. Yeah. So define, when you talk about fear, you know, so, and maybe I'll answer it through my questions. Sure. So when I think about fear, I think of it in a few different ways, right? So there's that momentary almost an exhilaration fear or something that scares us. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, and in law enforcement, there's been moments, you know, you can have someone who, thank God, had no ill meaning or ill uh, intentions, however, answers the door, he's shaking an older, you know, 90-year-old male with a revolver, and it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning, he doesn't know who's standing on his porch, and he sticks a revolver in your chest. You know, in that moment, there's fear. You're not 100% sure how that's going to end, and though they had no ill intent, they also don't know who's at their door. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it creates a precarious moment. And I've been in other situations in this career field where things can turn Mm -hmm. in a moment and really bad things can happen. And thank God in those moments, most people have survived and so forth. So that's one element of fear. But then there's the fear of not wanting to take the next step or the fear of how things are going to happen or what almost becomes more of a, and fear might not be the right word there, but it creates almost an anxiety. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I could give numerous times in which facing the fear and letting go of not having control over how things are going to work out. And I've came up against that wall many times because I, as we talked about earlier, the whole paralysis Mm -hmm. by analysis, Mm -hmm. my person, my default personality is kind of having what I consider a healthy fear, though some would debate of, you know, the unknown of what's going to happen if I do this. And so I find myself overthinking them. And one thing through the podcasting, that's the interesting thing. When I look back over the different careers and hobbies, I guess, Mm -hmm. that I've had and that I've done, each one has taken a different part Mm -hmm. of my personality and has found a way to refine it, to improve it, to make it better. And so in landscaping, you know, that was very much in the physical arena, but Mm -hmm. I was also doing a lot of sales. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot. So it helped me with speaking, with getting out and just meeting random people and so forth. However, I was still one that wasn't quick to take action. I would get there, but I wanted to think it through, and I had to face the fear, which you were just saying. Law enforcement helped with that. Uh The law enforcement training, that career field, you're going to make decisions, and you're going to learn to make them quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to take a quick analysis, and you're going to prioritize, and you're going to do what you have to do. Not always. There's times you can think things through. You can slow it down. But in the moment, when... The world's kind of breaking around you. In that moment, you're going to rely heavily on your training and you're going to make an instantaneous decision. And so it's helped with that part of it. And then podcasting has really been that final refinement of facing fear, which you said, that getting out there, even meeting new people is something that, as you know, when you drug me around Orlando meeting people, (laughs) is not something that I would naturally come to. Mm -hmm. But it's been part of the process. Love it. And and just so you know, he says drug you around, but I think you went freely. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So we met at uh, PodFest and everyone that I met, I'm like, oh, you got to meet Wayne. So Wayne, come. Let let, let me introduce you to this person. So thank you. Which I have to thank you for. Because, yeah, I got to meet a lot of great people. So thank you very much, Shay. Well, and thank you for being my sidekick that week. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. You know, something that you just said made me real or want to point out is that how physical fear and emotional fear slash mental fear shows up the same way in our body. So that facing the 
you know, the 95 year old man who's shaking a revolver at you and being able to make a decision literally happens in the same part of our brain. And when we are in fear, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, so it could be telling someone that they love them, or it could be breaking up with someone, or it could be, you know, having to tell somebody's family that their loved one has died. Yeah. You know, or like you said, you're looking down the uh, barrel of a gun or you're, you know, about to get hit by a hurricane. There's all of this fear that goes on that we not even aware of. Yeah. And so when you can take it and being able to, like you said, actually sit in it and feel it and face it rather than try to hide from it, it just propels you forward. And so I love that you have... You know, that in your answer that you thought was going to be a question, which that was great that it wasn't a question. It you and you gave such a brilliant answer, but you also gave these examples that shows how fear is so diverse and how it shows up. It is yeah. not just a fear of oh, I'm scared of spiders, right? Right? Like it's it can be anything, and the fear of the unknown. That's what's so crazy is when you are facing like unemployment or you're getting out of whether it be law enforcement or military you're like okay what's next i've been defined by who i am by my career for so long right now what's next and just like coming from a small business owner to being law enforcement or for myself coming from a, a hairstylist to a coach and all of the other things right you get to go okay so i'm mo- much more than my career how has working with people in the three different dynamics from the lawn, the law, and the podcast, how has working with people really changed you for the better? So that is a good question. And I'm trying to think how specifically the relationships change. So I think every relationship changes. And I think we make a choice as whether it's for the worse or for better. And I think if I look at it, because even a bad encounter, so going back to the landscaping, you know, I had a customer that decided they didn't want to pay us a large sum of money, which did not help things going into the housing crisis. And we were a new business and I was very naive and I was also very trusting, which again, like I said, each career that I've held has helped me, refined Mm -hmm. me, and made me a little bit smarter in a lot of ways, too, and a little less naive and a little less, not that we shouldn't be trusting, but we should also at the same time be very sure of ourselves and our processes to protect what we're doing. So, but through those kind of encounters, we have a choice, right? So it can either make us more of an angry person, a bitter person, a blaming person. You know, this is the reason why it never works out. This is the reason we can go down this spiral of all these negative things. And so I think that relationships, that's such a broad question in one way, because there's certainly been people who have interjected themselves into my life or come into my life, or I've been blessed by their presence in my life. And in those moments, it's been edifying. It builds me up. It can be very motivating. And certainly I've had those relationships through law enforcement and through podcasting specifically. And especially podcasting is such a, I think it, because it attracts such much, such like-minded people that have a message. They have something they want to say or need to say. Mm -hmm. I would say need to say, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like they're stepping into that calling and they're finally, they're willing to step outside that comfort zone. So for me, podcasting is a little bit different because it kind of just creates this edifying, unifying communion of fellow minded people Mm -hmm. that allow us to do some pretty amazing things. 
But that being said, even if you go back to like the individuals I was referring to with the landscaping that, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're not very nice people right? <laughs> and uh, really mess things up because I was in my 20s in that at that time and, you know, really messed some things up. But that's okay because it taught me and allowed me to learn how to react, mm-hmm. how to be more empathetic, yes. how to not become angry over something like that. So I, I think when I think of the broader sense of that question is it changes me a differently in each type of arena, but in all, it's been a choice towards trying to get the positive side of it mm-hmm. and to make me a better, more well-rounded person mm-hmm. and someone who can learn then from people and to learn to work with people. I love it. Love that answer. And I kind of had a feeling that's what your answer would be. So that's why I asked you that question. Okay. I've never asked it before, but I really love your empathy. You can It just shows through, shines through you. Well, thank you. And so I really wanted to highlight that. And I also wanted for our listeners to really hear that even when you have someone who is a quote unquote hater or a naysayer or that person who just brings you down, who has, you know, basically put you down, right? Like, like give you that negative insult or how, who do you think you are kind of, you know, who are you that person, right? Right. That those people aren't necessarily people you want to listen to. You're right. And you haven't, right? And I think that's the key is to take what someone else has said to you, hurt you, might be negative, might be a negative reaction inside, is to take it and, like you just brilliantly said, was be able to find the positive in it. And even though you're in law enforcement, because of podcasting, I know, because I, again, I know this about you, you see that every person who's maybe doing something wrong is still hurting Yeah, that there's something else beneath it all. Yeah. And I think that's for me is so such the reason why I want to have you on here is because all underneath we're all the same and hurt people hurt. People. You're absolutely right. And we're all, I mean, we're all part of the same human experience Yeah, and we don't have to be defined by our choices, but we often are suffering the repercussions of our choices And And sometimes we're suffering the repercussions of someone else's choices. You're absolutely right. And so all these different factors. And so I think we can't forget whether, and this is one thing in the very divisive times that we're in that we can't forget is that human side of both equations, right? Mm -hmm. So you have someone who breaks the law and, you know, there's a million reasons why people may do this or do that. And you got all these different theories in law enforcement, like broken windows theories, as far as how we should deal with it. And we could get, I mean, we could talk for months on all that. Right. But that's one side of the equation. But we can't forget the fact that's still a person. Exactly. And then the flip side of that coin is true also that so often, and you kind of touched on it earlier, when people see a law enforcement officer, they see a badge, they see a gun. Right. And they kind of have this robotic thought that this person, well, they are a cop. Well, that's true. But they are very likely also a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a son, you know, and on the list goes. So we can't forget that either side. I totally agree with you again, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I love that. And I know that we're getting close to end of time. So I just want people to know where people can connect with you. Well, I really appreciate that. We are on all the social media and everything else, but if you just start at onthebluelining.com, onthebluelining.com, they can find everything there. And I do try to put out a weekly podcast. This is not my full-time job, as I've referenced in here. So I get the mouths as often as I can, but they'll find writings and social media and all that great stuff on there. 
Great. And you're on YouTube and LinkedIn and all the things, right? Pretty much all the things, <laughs> except for the newfangled things that I'm just not up on, but all the big ones. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Perfect. Perfect. And just before you go, I have a couple more questions. So because you have such, you're so multifaceted in so many different areas, I'm just curious to know what would be your legacy? What do you want to be remembered for? Wow. That's a powerful question. And you know, and I don't want to be cliche, but I would say that it falls into exactly this conversation um, that we're having, that if it came down to, and obviously you'd have to boil it down to an epitaph, but if you were to get it down to a final statement, I would want to say that Wayne, that he touched others' lives, mm -hmm. that he made a difference in others' lives. And because to me, that multiplication yeah. is what it's all about. That is the only way to actually yes. create legacy. Yes. Because, you know, your legacy might be this building and the next hurricane may blow it away. Sure. <laughs> and your legacy may be this, that, or the other thing. And I get that there's companies we still have now from people 120 years ago that built them. And I, I understand those are legacies. And there's other ways to look at legacy. But the way I look at it is if you can plant these seeds and be instrumental in the most number of lives... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then that's going to multiply. And you talk about we're in a time where everyone wants to change the world mm -hmm. and we're in such a divisive world. We all agree it needs to change. Mm -hmm. Well, the only way to do that is through planting that hope mm -hmm. into the lives of other people. Oh, true. And it just brings me to what you know, you're having, you're sitting with in front of you is my, the book that I co-founded hashtag fire starters, how to be a spark of hope in the midst of change, because it is really about when uh, solopreneurs, whether it be a podcaster, a coach, speaker, what have you, a single match, we will fizzle out. Yeah. And so coming together, we can be able to, that's my phone. Okay. <laughs> when we come together, we can collaborate together. And then it's like, Oh my gosh, that we build a bigger fire. Yeah. And then it starts to spread. And then it's like, oh, there we go. Now it becomes a movement, just not just a moment. I love it. And what you're saying is really about impact. Yes. And it just goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, how this is just, we're just here to make a, a positive impact in the world that we live. Couldn't say it better myself. So before you go, it's just been an, an amazing it's your friendship has just been awesome to me. So thank you so much for the last year and a half of being friends with you, but also for driving across the state of Florida since I drove all the way to Florida. See, you have me beat this trip. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true. <laughs> and one last question I always like to leave with is what phrase, scripture or mantra are you living by right now? Well, again, I don't want to keep beating the same horse, but the one that I probably, you know, another one that I think is really strong too is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And those have been the mantras lately that I probably say the most because I've really been working as a frontline supervisor mm -hmm. towards embodying that more as I work with other people. So I would say, again, it all comes down to making a difference in the lives of others. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for being here. Absolutely. I appreciate you. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shea Sparks. And if you want to know more, please go on to SheaSparks.com and find out all our social medias on there. And please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And I know that you probably took notes because Wayne's amazing. Thank you. Until next time, let's get fired up. Don't turn this off just yet. 
Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.